a lot of bad right now for the San Jose Sharks. As stinky and awful as possible. As the lawyer for stink, they'd have to work harder to stink. You're gonna need a bigger boat. The Sharks finally win their first game. You can see the emotion. As Blackwell said in the locker room afterward, it's a lot of relief in here. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of The Drop. Greg Wyshynski, Ardo Cal here every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcasts, as well as the NHL and ESPN YouTube. You know what? I feel like we should start with an ovation. Congratulations. We, they did it. There it is. A, a golf clap we, for the I, San Jose Sharks as they, you know, inch towards golfing in the summer. I mean, Arda, do you believe in miracles? Yes! They won! <laughs> they won a game! I was watching, I, as I said last night, watching that uh, game against uh, the Flyers, uh, where the Sharks get their first victory of the season. It was like watching the worst game seven ever played. Like the tension was palpable. The hockey was terrible. But at the end of the day, they did it. They won. They won it for all of those empty seats that were separating the fans in the arena. Yeah. Uh, I was so happy for San Jose, man. I could not be happier that they won that game. I, I want to give a shout out to our mutual friend, DJ Bean. I thought he had the best tweet. He used AI to create this graphic of these <laughs> animals with sharks jerseys. And, the, and his tweet says, and the sharks have won the 2023 game <laughs> <laughs> i love it the so thing i missed last night dude you know what i missed a lot last night i What's missed that? the old torts last night our former co-worker mm. obviously we've talked about before how the years have mellowed him a bit i think he's been a different cat since he uh had that situation in vancouver but man give me vintage rangers 2020 like 2013 torts after losing to the sharks and handing the most moribund, as as we talked about last episode, flaming bag of poo team in the league, their first victory. Like, give me the volcanic torts last night to be like, it is unacceptable to give an expansion team like that a victory or something. Just give me something. But something he's like that. He's a sweater uh, vest guy now. And by the way, shots were 40 to 19 in favor of Philly in that game. Uh, and so it, at one point they were, the shots were like so lopsided, but. The Sharks were in the lead. Uh, yeah. They scored first one nothing. But anyhow, congratulations to San Jose Sharks. Your prize, Sharks fans, is facing the also despondent Edmonton <laughs> Oilers on Thursday night, exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, yours truly and Kevin Weeks will be on the desk for that one. Wow. Uh, so the Edmonton Oilers... As, as much as we just spent time talking about the Sharks' wish, the Oilers, and in particular the Oilers fan base, might be even more in a desperate situation, uh, a more urgent situation. Five alarm bells ringing everywhere in Edmonton right now, at least if you ask a bunch of the fans. So why don't we go through, if we were to look, 20,000-foot view, City of Edmonton, the Oilers franchise, if we were to choose and pick five ways to fix the Edmonton Oilers in 2023, let's go through that list. Well, hold on a second. So you're telling me that being one San Jose Sharks away from being the worst team in the National Hockey League, despite having the majority of the punditry saying you're going to win the Stanley Cup, that's a bit of a disappointment, Arda? <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a smidge, man. Just a smidge. This There is a lot riding on this game, isn't there? Yeah. There, there is. Huge. 
It's absolutely huge. I mean, as we'll talk about later on, perhaps even a job could be riding on the game. But let's let's go under the hood. Let's play mechanic. You've got a jumpsuit that says Arda. I have a jumpsuit that says, I don't know, Greggy or something. I don't know. We've got wrenches. We've got things that you use to fix cars. I don't know. My dad never taught me how to change the oil in a car. But we're going to do our best to get under the hood and fix the Edmonton Oilers, starting with Arda. The goaltending. Yes. And that is where we always look when we are looking to fix a team. And Jack Campbell, obviously placed on waivers for the purposes of assignments. The Oilers are 32nd in the league in in in, in team save percentage. That's just for the for those Matthews out there, that's worse than the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> just want to be clear on that. They're 31st in goals saved above expected, which means they're not getting many saves above what you would expect them to be at. And Stuart Skinner is over seven goals saved below expected. So, yeah, if there's one place that you're looking first, it's definitely between the pipes. And look, Jack Campbell was a disastrous signing. I, I, I'm a, I, I think Ken Holland has done a pretty good job at Edmonton. To be honest with you, like I think the Evander Kane thing worked. Obviously, we were all praising the Matias Ekholm trade last yes, year. Like, yes, like I think Ken Holland has done, um, in in aggregate, like pretty good things for that team. But it is counterbalanced by the goaltending being an absolute tragedy every single season. I don't know what the Mike Smith thing was year after year. Uh, Skinner was good last year. He's been terrible this year. The Jack Campbell thing, though, honestly, dude, like you can quibble about the money they gave that guy. But remember, it was a super hot goalie market that summer. I think a lot of people saw him as a stabilizing force. I think a lot of people saw him as a good 1A to put in a situation that you could trot him out there. He's going to give you quality starts. And it was a whiff. You, I mean, it's Holland's fault. It's a whiff. But I don't think that he was alone in thinking that it was a positive move for the Oilers to sign Jack Campbell. But but ultimately, in the last decade, one of the most disastrous signings that we've seen from an NHL team. Two, two, um, two quick things about yeah, that, please. just to your point. Um, now, Jack Campbell did have great stretches in Toronto, and yeah. he was very much a Vezina candidate in that first half of his last uh, stint with Toronto. So that conversation was absolutely happening. That second half was really what started to seep doubt into the minds of Leaf fans. The other thing is just the human element, because I know that Jack Campbell's been going through a lot. Um, he definitely has... Like a like you in in hearing him talk publicly, you can tell that he struggles at times with um you know when he has rough stretches in net. Yeah. So yeah. from the human elements, you know, you definitely hope for a guy, and he's by all accounts, wish one of the nicest guys in the locker room. So you hope for people like that to be able to rebound and find their stride again. So I just that, wanted to make sure we mentioned that. Yeah, and that's a market that chews you up and spits you out if you don't perform, and he hasn't performed. Um. The big, uh, big fix for me for the Oilers, number two, uh, let's fix Connor McDavid. How about that? How about we fix Connor? <laughs> Connor has 10 points in nine games to start the season, which would be awesome for anyone not named Connor McDavid, who had 23 points in his first 10 games last year, Arda. My God. Um, if you'll remember, McDavid was initially thought to be out for a couple of weeks with an upper body injury. He came back ahead of schedule since the Heritage Classic. Since then, only has one assist in three games. Listen, man, I, I don't know if Connor is going through something physically, but get that man some stem cells, get him a spa day, get him something 
we need to get the full Connor back to fix the Oilers. But I do have to mention, though, consider this. Consider that maybe it's not Connor that completely needs fixing. According to Stathletes, McDavid is first in the NHL in primary assists that lead to shots, okay? But he's 182nd in primary assists that lead to, uh, in, in just general primary assists that lead to goals. Uh, he was second in that category last season. So what we're seeing, Arda, is he's getting pucks to teammates. They're shooting. It ain't happening. They're fumbling the bag, and that's one of the reasons why Connor's point total is where it is. He's still creating chances. They're not finishing. So while I do think McDavid needs some fix, and they need to be able to ride this guy for a few weeks on a, by, his, by his lonesome and be that Hart Trophy winner that we all know he can be, his teammates do also need to convert some of these chances he's given them. That is an excellent statistic, which may or may not have contributed to his frustrations, particularly visible in the third period against the Vancouver Canucks, which leads me to my third point, which is our third point, which is stop playing the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers have already lost three times to Vancouver this season. Now, that also is in part because Vancouver is lights out to start yeah, the like year. Absolute wagon right now. Yeah. Absolutely. Thatcher, Demko, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes. We get all that. We're focusing on the Oilers side of this. The Oilers have been outscored 18 to 6 against Vancouver. So if we can avoid going to the westernmost part of Canada in the NHL uh, geography for the foreseeable future, for the rest of the season even, and if we see them on the calendar, let's just not show up, then maybe the Oilers can pick up some points elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You got and again, let's slow a roll on on Vancouver. This is like if Ohio State got to play Rutgers three times in the first month of the season. Like we'd all be talking about how dominant they are. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, my fourth point here on how to fix the Edmonton Oilers: maybe die by a hundred cuts. Mm. Uh, Connor McDavid said that the Oilers' losses are the death by a thousand cuts, which of course revealed him to be a major Swifty, as we all know. Um, but he's right. Each game the Oilers have lost, it's been kind of a different problem for Edmonton. Um, but consistently, they've been allowing high-quality shots. And if you've watched these games, their defensive mistakes just seem, I don't know, extra costly compared to other teams. But I got to admit that there is some hope analytically. When you look inside the numbers, when you go under the hood as we're doing now, Arda, they're third in shots per 60 at five on five. They're fifth in shot attempts per 60 at five on five. Um, what's happening right now is what we talked about with McDavid. They're just not converting chances. Think of this. The, the NHL Edge site, which I dragged this week on ESPN.com for not allowing me to see who the slowest skater in the league is. Hopefully they fix that. Um, <laughs> according to NHL Edge, the offensive zone is split up into 15 different quadrants, okay? Um, the Edmonton Oilers had a higher shooting percentage last season in 10 of those 15 quadrants. Okay, so what that tells you is that the law of averages, the shooting percentage will increase, get better over time for the Oilers, not converting their chances. They have really solid, even strength shot metrics right now. One would assume, one would expect the goals will come, and it's basically impossible for them not to. Death by a hundred cuts. Yeah, reduce uh, the, it down from the a other, 
The the other quote that Connor McDavid, since he's a big Nickelback fan, is burn it to the ground, which he apparently <laughs> loves. Uh, maybe that's swirling in the minds of Edmonton Oilers fans, uh, which brings us to point number five. You just can't let the expectations crush you. Now, I can't speak specifically for the players in that locker room and how much they are paying attention to the discourse that is happening among the fan base, among the media. But that is absolutely palpable. You can cut it with a butter knife because <laughs> all the conversation that is being had around the Oilers is cup or bust cup or bust yeah. not necessarily the chance that is happening in the arena wish but we know we've seen this time and time again with particular fan bases and particular teams and i've said it on this show it would be a travesty if we do not see Connor mcdavid raise a stanley cup we need that image hockey needs that image but right now you have to focus on everything but that singular idea and those expectations yeah. Now, those are five palpable ways to fix the Edmonton Oilers. But the one thing we have not mentioned, the elephant in the room, Arda, neither of us have talked about the Jay Woodcroft of it all. Um, would firing Jay Woodcroft fix this, this team right now, Arda? So I want to give a shout out to uh, another one of your good buddies, Jeff Merrick, because I heard him say this. Mm. He's, uh, he brought up a quote that is used commonly in hockey. Uh, for decades now, you owe your coach a trade mm. in in the sense that more generally, you owe your coach a tinkering of the lineup before you seriously consider removing the coach. To me, we are in the middle of that situation right now. Yeah. I would think that we have to do some tinkering to this lineup, especially goaltending. And if it still persists, it's a short leash. But if it still persists, Swish, that's when I would start thinking about the coach's hot seat. There's a timeline to these things. Usually you get a team meeting of some sort. I don't know if they've had one yet. Then you get the shocking demotion of a veteran. We've had that now with Jack Campbell. Usually then there's some sort of trade to shake things up or, or fix a problem with the team, which, like you said, we might be headed to. And then after that, you usually get a fired coach. But I'll be, I'll say this, though, man. Like, if they continue to spiral, if they lose the Sharks, if they, you know, they go the next five games and lose four of them, I think it's entirely possible that he could pay the price. If he does pay the price, the question is who comes in. Um, two names on the open market that are very intriguing. One is Gerard Gallant, who obviously has Red Wings ties to Ken Holland uh, and as somebody who has gotten success in most places he's gone. The second guy may not necessarily be the guy to fix the defensive problems of the Edmonton Oilers, although I think he did an underrated job of that in Minnesota, but certainly could fix the vibes. And that's our friend Bruce Boudreau, who I think could walk in there and put a smile on everybody's face at the very least. Uh, one name that I know has been bandied about in Edmonton as being who could come in to fix this team would, of course, be Joel Quenville. But I do believe that the situation we talked about earlier this week, Arda, right. with the new lawsuit coming against the Chicago Blackhawks, basically ends any possibility that Joel Quenville is going to get uh, the green light to come and coach in this league uh, this season, probably at the very least. Yeah, actually, we have a bonus, bonus sixth way to fix oh. the Edmonton Oilers, and that is become one with the force. <laughs> Just use the force, Edmonton. It's that simple. Exactly. Rebel yeah. scum. You Rebel know scum, who baby. you know who uses the force very well? 
Devin Levi of the Buffalo Sabres, and he joins us right now on The Drop. I've been looking forward to this interview for a very long time. Pleased to be joined here on ESPN's The Drop by Buffalo Sabres goaltender Devin Levi. Devin, thanks for making time for us. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How about you? Awesome. Uh, obviously, I'm a big Star Wars guy. We're going to get to all of that. I really want to do a big deep dive, but you actually have a really cool project that you're also involved with, uh, with Sense Arena, virtual reality. The idea of training in uh, training hockey in the virtual reality space. Can you just tell us how this all came about for you? Yeah. So first time I got introduced to it was at World Juniors. Um, our goalie coach Jason LaBarbera got us uh, a headset with uh, you know Sense Arena on it and. Um, at the time it was kind of like, wow, like I've never heard anything about this. Let's try it out. Um, you know, fast forward like three, three and a half years. Um, I'm still using it a lot. I, I've been using it for different reasons, um, than I was at the time back then. It was just kind of fun. Now, like I've found a way to kind of integrate it into my training and, um, you know, use it to, to my benefit. So, um, it's just a great tool, really cool to just be able to have, um, access to, to to players taking shots uh, without having to put the gear on when you're injured, um, you know, when you don't have access to ice. So stuff like that, like it's, it's just a great opportunity to just get extra work in. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how how has it specifically made your game better? Is it just to, to have it available, like, for example, when you were out earlier this season to be able to kind of still train with it? Or is there parts of your game that have specifically gotten better because of it? I mean, for sure, the, the 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 injury part where, like, you know, if you're not on the ice, like, you can you can still take shots. You could still stay in the swing of things. So that definitely helped. You know, if if, if you if you need a day off or if, if the team takes a day off and you want to see more pucks without, you know, spending energy, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity to do so. I use it before practice sometimes, um, you know, just to get some warm-up shots, like, on the road um, before, uh, before pregame skates. We don't have much time. Um, before getting out uh, to get on the ice. Like, we, we get on right after the other team gets off for their pregame skate. So, um, you know, bringing that on the road and, and taking warm-up shots also, I'm going to be doing that more moving forward. So, um, just there's so many different ways that, you know, you can use it to, to benefit, like, depending on who you are as a person, what you want to work on. You know, there's the, the, the sky's the limit with this thing. How prevalent do you think this could become, like, VR training for elite goaltenders? You know, I, I think the technology is getting better and better every year. Um, you know, they, they keep releasing new Oculuses, new headsets. Um, There's a new one that just got released that I that I did the demo for. And it was really cool. Like the the uh, just like the new technology, like you could feel it's it's it was a step up from the previous one. So I think every year it's getting more realistic. You know, I think every year there's uh there's more thought put into how, how you know, they could make it better and how they could, you know, make it more realistic and more um more impactful for young goalies so um i think i think it'll definitely be um something that'll be around for sure good good to, good to hear you're not spending too much time playing against roblox ovechkin that the graphics have gotten better things are good <laughs> <laughs> i was curious about you uh season over season man you come on the scene last year at the sabers blow everybody's doors off you got people in buffalo calling you the, the franchise goalie goalie the future um, how have you handled, I know the mental part of the game is a big deal for you. How have you handled those expectations that were placed on you based on that, that short time you had with the Sabres last year? 
Yeah, you know, um, I think that the expectations that I have for myself um, kind of are, are at my forefront of my focus. And, you know, my my expectations aren't just to, you know, kind of come in and play well for eight games. It's more of a, you know, a long-term thing just to get better every day and develop and, you know, turn into to the goalie that I know I can be. So um, I think that, you know, just, just sticking to my goals and my routines and, you know, I know it works for me. So just getting into the swing of things, learning every day, going out competing. So, you know, those are things that I value that I direct my focus towards. And, um, you know, it's great. It's great that the fans are excited, you know, um, we have a great fan base and, you know, the, the building's been been uh, been getting more packed as the games go on. So, you know, having their support and their interest is also great. Um, and we're just excited for the year moving forward. All right, Devin, uh, you are a big Star Wars guy. We know about your meditation during timeout, the Qui-Gon inspired. I really want to do a Star Wars deep dive here. I've been wanting to do this for a very long time. So why don't we start at the beginning, dude? Like when... When did you first discover Star Wars and how did that happen? Um, when I was young, really young. My dad, uh, my dad was the one who, you know, kind of gathered us around. We'd go watch some watch some movies in the in the in the living room. And, you know, Star Wars was one of those one of those movies early on that I watched. I didn't quite grasp the concept of it at the time, but you know, <laughs> I, I like the light. How old would you have been at this point? I don't know. I was young, though. I was definitely, definitely, uh, de pro definitely younger than ten. Um, okay. I, 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 I remember my dad not wanting me to watch just, uh, just with you know Anakin and Obi Wan fighting, um, going off like it was pretty, uh, pretty explicit. Like there was, you know, Anakin getting sliced in half. So I don't think he <laughs> wanted me to see that as a kid. And I remember wanting to watch that movie so bad. It was not, Revenge of the Sith. That. And that is a good Revenge dad because Star Anakin gets every limb sliced off and he's yeah. melting in lava and screaming. I can imagine that being traumatic for a 10-year-old. Yeah, that's exactly it. So he uh, <laughs> he didn't want me to watch that. But then the <laughs> best one of the best scenes ever, right? Where like Darth Vader is formed and you see the droids putting the mask yeah, on awesome. piece by piece. And then, and then Darth Vader rises and you just can't help but get goosebumps, right? So what about the, uh, the masks? You have some really cool mask designs, lightsabers. Uh, how, how did you put those together? Yeah, so the first, um, the first time that I you know, considered putting like a lightsaber on my helmet. I was actually on FaceTime with my girlfriend trying to figure out what to put on this all black helmet. Like, what am I going to draw on this helmet that the, 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 the trainers got me? I was, I was to wear it in warmups um, last year uh, with our, with our black jerseys. And it was just a tank, just all black with a white cage. It was like, I can't wear this. I got to put something on it. Um, so I'm just on FaceTime with my girlfriend. She's like, why don't you put some lightsabers on it? You know, like that started kind of the the process of, you know, how I could incorporate like like Star Wars into my helmets. And, you know, I'm, it's great that the colorways like fit exactly like the black and red jerseys and then the blue jerseys also for, you know, blue lightsabers and red lightsabers. So it, was, it just fit perfectly. Um, you know, it's a really cool, um, cool concept. Like I think there's so much you could do, um, so much room for creativity, kind of make it my own. Um, and it, it's just uh, it's fun to wear, you know, things that like I like and that um, that I think are cool. So um, it's cool to kind of make make that up too with the with the graphic designer for the helmet, you know, kind of figure out like 
where to put the lightsabers, like find new find new ways to make it look interesting. So it's fun. I, I enjoy doing it. Arda mentioned your Jedi like meditation, breathing techniques, becoming one with the force during games. Where did you develop that? Where does your mind go when you're doing that? Yeah, so it started at World Juniors. Um, I don't think uh, it was my first TV timeout, so I didn't know where to go. So um, I, I didn't <laughs> want to go to the bench. I went to the bench, took some water, like just what a lot of other goalies do. I was like, nah, it's not for me. Um, and then I just found that spot on the ice that I just I just felt comfortable in. And, um, you know, I just started focusing on my breath that uh, that time around that time we were in COVID and you know, I I'd quarantined for like, I think a month before that, that world junior camp. So um, I was getting into meditation and, you know, how, like, like the mental part of the game, I'm not on the ice. So how can I, you know, focus on my mind and, you know, develop my, my mental game off the ice. So that's kind of, that was, the that was the kind of time where I kind of took to the mental side of the game. And, um, you know, I did that. I, I just felt right in that moment. It's like focusing on my breath, meditating. And then, my dad after after the game is like, you know who you look like? You look like Darth Maul, like, or you look like Qui Gon when he's going off against Darth Maul. And I was like, that's actually really cool. Um, and that was I kept I kept doing it because, um, you know, I I it was it felt good, but I also um, felt like I was in the movie a little bit, like you know, getting ready to go to battle after the whistle blows. So um, it was a cool parallel my dad drew. Eventually, you're going to have to be in a movie, right? Like, we're going to have to have you as a stormtrooper in a Star Wars show or movie or something, right? If that call's coming, you're saying yes, right? For sure. 100%. The good news is that you have two friends that work at Disney now. Uh, so we'll see what yeah. strings we can pull in order to make that happen. All of a sudden, in two weeks, uh, Chris from PR is like, uh, you got this request to be a stormtrooper in the next Mandalorian season. <laughs> um, That'd be amazing. Speaking of the new shows, like, are you keeping up with, like, are you watching Ahsoka and or like, what is your Star Wars fandom like today? Yeah, I started Ahsoka. I'm I'm actually getting into a good part of it where I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm, I'm around halfway through. There's a great cameo that just popped up. I don't want to say who, but, um, you know, it's I, I liked I like that show a lot. Um, Mando Mandalorian. I, I really liked like season one and two, like um i just remember like like loving loving watching those shows in quarantine when they were out back around covid time and showed them to my mom too my mom's a big fan of baby yoda uh she thinks he's <laughs> cute um and yeah obi-wan the show was unbelievable too i, I loved seeing him face off against darth vader against anakin again so that was that was super super cool all right so art and i are of a certain generation everyone who grew up around us obviously wanted to be han solo when they grew up do you have a favorite character? Do you model yourself after anybody in the Star Wars universe? Um, it's a good question. I um, I remember dressing up as Obi Wan when I was younger. Um, there you go. That was my that that was one of my Halloween costumes. My mom got me, you know, a blue lightsaber with the Obi Wan Obi Wan fit. So, um, I always liked him. You know, I just felt like he was a respectable character with good values. Um, so um, I think if I, I'd say that I modeled myself after him, I, I wouldn't say like, like I like, for, like, like, like wrap my life around being like Obi-Wan, but um, that was probably one of my favorite characters growing up. And obviously God, I love Anakin. 
turning into Darth Vader, that character development. I think that that's one of the coolest like plot twists of all time, just how, how they, you know, how they went back and made um, the, the three more, uh, the, the, the three extra movies, the trilogies yeah. after, um, and how that kind of built on the original three. And, you know, watching it in that order, the, the chronological order now also has a crazy like plot twist to it. So I thought that's really cool. Well, it's good to know love- that like you don't take the Obi-Wan thing too far. I would hate for you to not get the Buffalo Sabres to the playoffs and then like go to a desert planet and become a hermit for the rest of your life. <laughs> that's, that's something we want to say. Or he makes a big save yeah. and he just looks at people and like, hello there. <laughs> yeah. Devin, this is awesome, dude. We actually do an ESPN Star Wars podcast. I'd love to have you on sometime to just even nerd out about Star Wars more if that's cool with you. Yeah, sure. That'd be great. That would be. I have two very quick questions for you. Uh, the first one is, are you going to lobby the Buffalo Sabres front office to do more Star Wars themed nights at games? I should. It's a good idea. Um, that'd be great. Like I said, the colors are, are they match perfectly. So that'd be a good idea. And, and during that game, will your stick be a lightsaber? That, that, I don't know if that would be great for hockey purpose, stopping five hole shots, but it would look cool. <laughs> it would look yes. cool on television. Sa- um, save it for the skills competition. And Arda, I can't believe you just left the Buffalo lightsabers just sitting there. Like, that is what they should do for one night, obviously. Oh, my right? gosh. Imagine, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> imagine that lightsabers as the swords, the tauntaun yeah, exactly. in the middle. Oh, my it's gosh. It's all right there. Terry we're all, we're right here for you, buddy. Devin, call us. Hey, we, in, we literally just made the merch. I'll put in a good word if you guys get me in as a store trooper. <laughs> Love the Deal. callback. Deal we is made. Our, we all got some calls to make here. This is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Devin, you've been awesome with your time. We definitely would love to have you back. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, Buffalo Sabres goaltender Devin Levi. Strong with the force. One with the force. Devin, thanks for your time, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Many thanks for young Padawan Devin Levi quickly (laughs) becoming a Jedi Knight in the National Hockey League. Uh, Definitely exciting for Sabres fans having him on the roster. Uh, Let's shift gears and talk about two players that are experiencing a little bit of challenges or a little bit of challenge early on in this season. I'm talking about Johnny Goudreau and Jonathan Huberto. Both players huge expectations, great offensive output in their careers. Uh, They've been benched uh, for stretches of games, entire periods, just riding that pine, uh, a message sent by their respective teams. What do you make of it, Wish? The Huberto one is is a really frustrating one because it feels like they've given him every, every opportunity to succeed there. Like they basically fired a coach to get this guy's offensive game going. Um, he's not a point per game player anymore. He's a minus 12 on the season. The best news about him being on the bench uh, for Calgary is that he couldn't become a minus 13. And then Goudreau obviously <laughs> is, is having trouble finding his footing in, in Columbus. So here's the thought, Arda. What would you do if I propose to you that the Calgary Flames trade Jonathan Huberdo to the Columbus Blue Jackets for the services of one Johnny Goudreau? Can you imagine Johnny Goudreau returns to Calgary after everything? Like just the whole free agency thing. And then here's Johnny Hockey back in Calgary. Back in Calgary. It's like, it's like an episode of Black Mirror, basically, for this guy. Like, yeah, it would no be, kidding. It would be a nightmare scenario. By the way, this I'm just joking. It's not going to happen. No, no, it totally is. No, we're going to yeah, do Goudreau, a half an hour is, deep dive. Yeah, Goudreau is done with, <laughs> with Calgary. But uh, but uh, it 
it is amazing to think about like the fates of those two players and and just how things have it's, gone for them and it's just wild wish it's more likely that we see a Linus Allmark for Leon Dreisaitl trade which is also <laughs> uh that I've seen online and I'm like really we're talking about this hmm. it's wild that's, that's wild. interesting uh what is wild is we're already going to be talking about NHL awards that's right if you know nothing else about this podcast, is that we love to talk about things way sooner than we should be talking about them. Look no further than our uh, playoff bracket that we talked about in the last show. Okay, that was early. The, yeah, that was early. Well, yes. Maybe a little. All yes. right. I guess. I guess November, early November is Look, totally fine to be talking about NHL awards. But buddy, the standings are constantly <laughs> changing. Narratives can be cemented pretty early. Like as a connoisseur, you know how like they have those Oscar blogs, like Gold Derby. Like I'm a connoisseur of the NHL awards. That's why I do the yeah. NHL awards watch every month. Is I understand intrinsically how these awards go. So me telling you what you know a few dozen voters are thinking uh, at the at the beginning of November is me telling you where things may end up. So real briefly here at the end of the show. Uh, a, a rundown of, of where things stand. You could read the full article on ESPN.com. Jack Adams, the leader right now, is Bruce Cassidy of the Vegas Golden Knights. The finalists are Derek Lalonde of the Detroit Red Wings and Rick Tockett of the Vancouver Canucks. I, I fully anticipate that Tockett's probably going to be the front runner for this award if Vancouver continues on their way. Because the thing about, about Tockett is that he's got the thing that you need for the Jack Adams, which is palpable tangible things a coach does to make a team better calling them soft three games into the season benching star players like Tockett's doing the work he's putting the work in and don't forget the broadcasters are the ones that uh vote on the jack adams and uh, up until last year rick Tockett broadcaster so yeah yeah one quick thing uh two quick things about this so uh, to me it's like okay the vegas golden knights are the reigning cup champs they had a great start so naturally bruce cassidy would be in the lead at this point in the season like that just seems like a slam dunk thought but you're right like rick tockett is like the la knight right like where like you're just starting to elevate and elevate and elevate and you can see him winning the championship uh that's definitely rick tockett and to your point about um calling people soft uh, also calls fellow coaches soft if you read lips on broadcasts uh, let's too. go go two, on two, to two, the... I, want, I just want to mention two, two, more, two real quick two guys i'm interested in for the jack by the way one yeah. is jim montgomery who i like we talked about in the beginning of the season his coaching plus the goaltending plus the team defense was going to get the bruins back into playoff contention it's done more than that i think this season and then the other guy i mean he won it last year so i probably won't win it again but another guy that i think is an interesting choice just because he doesn't normally get into the jack adams conversation despite being like the best coach in the league is john cooper i mean to, to navigate the lightning through these lineup changes through not having vasilevsky and doing what they've been doing, I think I think it'd be interesting to see him get in the mix this year for that award. Are you, are, are you surprised that he hasn't won one? No, I'm not surprised because the NHL traditionally does not reward coaches of great teams. Like the only guy that ever got credit for it is Scotty Bowman. Like, okay. like, okay. like, like, say what you will about Babcock as a person. Like, he was the head coach of some really successful teams. Didn't win a Jack Adams, John Cooper. I mean, a, a lot of these guys that are the head coaches of extremely talent laden teams don't normally win. Um, so, yeah, I've never been surprised that Coop hasn't gotten his flowers, although he should have. Uh, Vesna, hmm. the leader right now, is Thatcher Demko. Uh, the, uh, and he's tied with Jake Ottinger amongst our our uh, panelists with Jeremy Swayman of the Bruins, the third choice right now. Uh, Demko Ottinger, you could see that being a two-horse race 
all the way down to the finish line this season with the way those two guys play. But keep in mind, the GMs are the ones that vote on these awards. We currently have two Western Conference guys as the leaders. There's going to be somebody from the East that jumps up and maybe Swayman, maybe somebody else to try to win this award. Uh, two uh, names I will throw out there. Uh, Joe Wool, if he yeah. uh, nestles into that 1A position for the Leafs and turns the net minding around completely, will definitely garner some vote attention. And whatever goaltender turns the Oilers' fates around. Yeah, uh, so those are, those are two uh, positions to look at. The Calder, one that everybody's interested in, Connor Bedard's their leader, Logan Cooley, and Pavel Mintikoff of the uh, Anaheim Ducks are your uh, finalists right now, according to our ballots. Uh, you know, th- th- you know, you would not expect, uh, you know, him to be the defenseman in your top three. Maybe Luke Hughes might have been the choice right now to uh, sneak in there. But right now, with the way the Ducks have gotten off the blocks early in the season, I think he's gotten a lot of attention. The Cooley, like I said, beginning of the season, I thought he had a chance to really steal the Calder from from Bedard. And at this point, he is the stocking horse in this race. But again, you know, it's if Bedard hits his marks and uh, doesn't like trail off at some point this season, the hype train was real. And so far, he's meeting enough expectations where the voters have him as the top spot for rookie of the year. And Mintikov, a sleeper pick. He has been terrific, especially during the Ducks' six-game win streak that they yeah. that just ended uh, against the Penguins. Man, he has been great. Sometimes he just carries the puck right down the middle of the ice, and no one is touching him. It's yeah. like, I'm just going to do this, and it's going to happen, and I'm going to be confident in my first year in the league doing this, and there's not going to be a problem. But like, it, is, incredible. it is a really chaotic field for Rookie of the Year right now. There's a yeah. lot of players that are like boiling underneath. Wall, you mentioned before, as being one of them. So like there's there's a lot of room for movement there. Maybe not so much for the Norris. Uh, out of all the awards watch categories, this was the biggest gap. Quinn Hughes has a very sizable lead over Kale McCarr and Miro Heiskanen right now. Heiskanen was the guy that all everybody was like, it's going to be his time to win the Norris. And Quinn Hughes market corrected him in like a week and a half this season. Uh, Quinn's been awesome. Uh, if he keeps playing at the clip he's playing at and putting up the points he's been putting up, uh, it's going to be his year to win the Norris, I think, uh, barring a Kale McCarr assault on the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, that that looks exactly how you would have expected the Norris to go, right? Yep. Like those names being bandied about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hart Trophy, McDavid omission, obviously with his start, like it just looks a, weird. He didn't get a single vote. He didn't get that a makes single sense, though. vote for the Hart. Isn't that wild? It is wild, but it makes sense based on the start. But yes, it is wild. It, you're yeah. right. It is. Uh, Jack Hughes is your leader. Obviously, a lot of this balloting was done before and around his injury. Uh, he's week to week for the Devils. David Pasternak getting a lion's share of credit for the offensive output for the Boston Bruins. And Elias Pedersen for the uh, Vancouver Canucks is the other guy in the top three. Uh, Pedersen probably might move up to number one here if Jack is out for a little bit. Uh, One name to keep in mind, Arda, which is going to make Rangers fans pretty happy, Artemi Panarin. I had a few voters tell me that's the guy that they have their eye on right now. He's having an amazing statistic season, playing maybe his best hockey as a Ranger so far early on for Peter Laviolette. Uh, listen, all it took was him to get rid of the, 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 the uh, Trubic locks on his head and get <laughs> hardcore with his hair to become the player he's meant to be. But Panarin's one guy to definitely watch for this award. I'm happy with this because I picked Jack Hughes as my heart trophy winner. So the you fact did? that he's in the lead so far. Uh, makes me very, very happy. Uh, we would like to end the show uh, with an apology uh, to all of our listeners here on The Drop. 
Uh, Wish and I did our best Spider-Man meme impression yesterday on Twitter. Uh, and we, unfortunately for all of you, uh, will be continuing the drop. Uh, we recently signed extensions with ESPN, so we'll be sticking around for a while. Uh, but in all seriousness, buddy, congratulations. Well-deserved for you. Uh, love to see it. And uh, happy that we get to do this show for the foreseeable future, which is yeah. awesome. And right back at you, bud. And thank you to everybody who had such kind things to say about me and Arda on social media yesterday when the news was broken. Uh, it was uh, it was cool to see that that there's an appreciation for the the weirdness that we bring to the proceedings here at ESPN. <laughs> yeah, we love the show. We love doing the show. We love the creativity and freedom it brings. Uh, and we hope to continue to make you laugh and cry and, you know, be part of the journey along the way. Uh, and remember, that journey continues every Tuesday and Thursday, wherever you get your audio podcasts and the NHL and ESPN YouTube. And thanks to everyone behind the scenes, too. Andrea, Justin, everyone that uh, makes this show run. Uh, it is awesome. We have a blast doing it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on Tuesday. That's it for us. Enjoy the weekend of hockey. Take care.